it's wonderful to be in the presence of the lord uh, it's exciting this is the most exciting month of the year and all of us are very excited for christmas i believe are you all excited for christmas yes even if you're not excited i hope after this message you'll be excited uh, so let me start with a question i uh, we have kids also here and everyone let me start with a question what is mission christmas why do you think jesus came on this earth to take a okay good wonderful to take away our sins anything else is it the only sole purpose he came he died for us he came to die we sang that beautiful song yeah to heal people good that's nice to live a perfect life superb to encourage us to tell other people about jesus okay wonderful wonderful all these answers this side i'm not hearing anything <laughs> yeah to bring peace to the earth wonderful thank you auntie to give gifts yes <laughs> yes to shine his light in the darkness yes all of you are right in your answers any more answers yes to give us peace yes sure he came to give us peace yeah wonderful thank you for all your answers kids thank you so much i think you might have to go to your classes thank you so much for being here uh, yes the message today i am going to speak about is mission christmas uh, why did christ come to this earth yes all your answers were right but yes i'll be adding some more to it the thoughts that has been put first of all when did he come christ came at the fullness of time the bible says in galatians 4 4-5 you can put the next slide yeah the next one please yeah but when the fullness of the time had come god sent forth the son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons so the first word if you get the first word in the fullness of time he came you know we might wonder how do we say it's the fullness of time you know there are other versions which say when the time was ripe he came how do we say the time was ripe you know when i was doing the bible college there was one subject called history of christianity i think some of the bible college students here might remember we studied about the fullness of time the fullness of time here there's a little history behind it we know that there were three communities during that time anyone can guess what were the communities during jesus time three yeah yes of course jewish yeah uh no 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 the the country people probably greek yes auntie romans yes yeah those were the three communities which were there romans greeks and jewish people were there and it says it, he came in the fullness of time when we look at these three communities and how god appointed the right time for him to be uh, for him to come we can see when you look at romans romans were the ones who were ruling in fact jewish people were under the captivity of romans you know and romans were uh, you know they were ruling many places they were forming the constitution and even we have heard all roads lead to rome you have heard that word yeah roman roads were so famous it was all well connected interconnected and the fullness of time was such that when jesus came everything was right for him 
you know, even to travel, even to move around was perfect during that time. And even there was something called Pax Romana. It means the peace of Rome. So there was a peaceful time. There was no war at the time. There was no problems happening at the time. So in a perfect right time, Jesus came on this earth. And we, when we look at the Greeks, you know, uh, what were Greeks known for? I think Greek should uh, hit our head suddenly. Philosophy, yes. They were known for the love of knowledge. Yes, there's something more. Okay, wonderful. The New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. Yeah, the New Testament was written in Greek. So we see Greek contributed a lot. That was the written language of the time. That was a spoken language also of the time. So Greek language contributed. And because people had the love for knowledge, they were seeking, seeking for the truth. So if, if we know that many Gentiles accepted Christ more than the Jews. So they were all ready at that time. It was a right time. It was a fullness of time when Jesus came. And then we see Jewish people. Jewish people were surely waiting for a savior. We all know that. I think uh, the next slide, please. Uh, I think, you know, there were so many prophecies in the Old Testament. There were close to 324 prophecies in the Old Testament that were speaking about the coming of Jesus Christ or what he did. In, uh, so, so many prophecies, 324 prophecies. So already there's so much was revealed about Jesus coming. And we know Jews were in constant captivity. You know, continually they were in captivity. We saw the Babylonian captivity, Assyrian captivity. Now they are in the Roman captivity. So again, they were in a time of captivity and they were looking for somebody to come, a Messiah, a savior to come to set them free. And we know, but one, there was a small problem here. They were looking for a political deliverer. They were not looking for the Messiah, the Jesus who came to live, to die. They were not looking for that kind of Messiah. They came looking for a Messiah who will release them from Roman captivity, who will free them, set them free. You know, they were always looking for that. Even when you look at the Old Testament, they were looking for judges. Judges came and set them free from the captivity. They were looking at kings. Kings came and helped them to be delivered. And here again, they're looking for a king. They're desperate for a king. They were waiting for this Messiah to come and deliver them politically. But, you know, they, uh, you know, they were short-sighted that way. They only were looking at being delivered. Again, to be held captive by some other people. This was the same thing that was happening again and again. They were held captive. They were delivered. Again, they were held captive. They were delivered. It was going on. But Jesus came for much more than that. He wanted to release them in a bigger way. He wanted to release their souls. He wanted to really set them free much more than the political captivity and which people failed to understand. The Jewish people failed to understand. Yes, there are some who understood, some who failed to understand. You know, Billy Graham puts it like this. The very purpose of Christ coming into this world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas. Yes, we have heard this. Yes, and we sang this song. He came to die. That is the heart of Christmas. But yes, he came to live, uh, to forgive our sins. He came to die for our sins. All that is there. But there's something that he wants to do in and through our lives. There's much more that he wants to do. And the reason of his coming exceeds far beyond our understanding. And we are going to look at that. One uh, if you look at the next slide, the first one, 
the verse itself says, um, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. One of the main things is he came to redeem us. He came to purchase us back from the enemy. And secondly, we might receive adoption to sonship. So one second thing is, we, I mean, so that we might receive adoption, that we may be called children of God. This is another very important reason that Christ came. But today we're going to look at the third important reason, and that is restore. He came to restore us. You know, that's the beautiful thing that God has done in our life. He has restored each and every one of us here. And I would like to read this verse of uh, Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. You know, Jewish people could have understood that this was not a regular king. This was not a normal king. Prophecies were given about him, but because they didn't go beyond, they couldn't understand it. It's written here, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Yes, that means kingship, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But very clearly, just put you of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So this is a government that has no end. This is a kingship that has no end. So they were looking for a king who will save them and just go away. But this kingship had no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. So forevermore he came to rule. He was the king of kings, a different king from what they expected, but he was a king who was going to rule forever and ever. So that was the kind of king he was. Okay, going down. We are going to look at this gift, this gift from heaven that came. One of the words that really stands out is, he was sent. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 is put like this. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Okay, this is a word that even pastor mentioned last week. And this was a word uh, that when Jesus grew up and then he was given the chance to speak in the synagogue, this is the word he takes. And then he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and all that. I will come to that. But the one word, he has sent me. He was sent by the Lord. He has been sent for a purpose. It's like a gift that has been sent. And we really have to unpack this gift. Sometimes, you know, uh, I mean, during Christmas time, we all get gifts. You know, we look at the gift outside and we, do we stop there? Oh, wow, nice packing, wonderful gift. It's so nice. Let me just keep it like that. We really want to open the gift, unpack the gift and see what is really inside, what has been given to us. It's like that. You know, the gift of Jesus needs to be unpacked to know what is deep inside. And the reason he came is very clearly is mentioned in uh, Luke 4. And the same passage is in Isaiah 61. This is what I'm going to speak today about. As if you open your Bibles to Isaiah 61, it clearly says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me. See what all the reasons Jesus was sent. I think one by one, uh, Roshan, you can just put the next slide one by one. First one, he was sent to proclaim good news to the poor. You know, yes, uh, 
uh, pastor mentioned this last week, one of the main reason Jesus came is the reason of restoration. And one of the thing is to proclaim good news. You know, poor are somebody who would like to good news, hear good news more than anyone. You know, everybody likes to hear it, but nothing like the poor hearing it. And he came to proclaim good news to the poor. Secondly, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, these are things no government can do. No government can come and solve these problems. It is only one who can solve this problem. Bind up the brokenhearted. You know, many of us, no matter you might have a political deliverance like what Israelites hope for, but be so broken inside and you don't know how to come out of it. And the Bible very clearly says he has come. That is why he has been sent. This is the unpacking. He has been sent to bind up the brokenhearted. And then we see to proclaim freedom for the captives, those who have been held captive. You know, in this sense, normally we see, yes, people have been held captive by other people are there. But otherwise, we can be held captive by our own thoughts, by the way people are behaving towards us or our own understanding. We can be held captive or enemy can hold us captive. Many things can hold us captive. And the word of God says to proclaim freedom for the captives. He has come. So we don't have to live in captivity. Oh, I am not able to overcome this. I'm just struggling with this. I mean, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. We don't have to say that because he has come to proclaim freedom for the captives. You can be set free in the name of Jesus because Jesus has come. You really can be set free completely. And then we see to release from darkness for the prisoners. Are you in a prison, prison-like situation? You're unable to come out. You're unable to sh shine. Are you somebody who's taking one step forward and moving back three steps? Lord, no matter what I think, what I say, I'm not able to move forward. I'm like a prisoner, prisoner of my own thoughts, prisoner of what others have told, probably with the spirit of rejection or a spirit of fear that is holding you captive. What is that? But the word of God really says to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. If you are in a dark situation, if you are in a difficult, challenging situation, you can be assured that is why he came. He came to set you free. He came to release you from that prison of darkness. This was the main reason he came on this earth. And then we see to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of the Lord, and then to comfort all who mourn. He has come. He has been sent to comfort us, no matter what we are going through, no matter what our situation is. One year back, I lost my mother. Um, and it was very difficult because I was very close to my mom. But I could really experience the comfort of the Lord. Like no one can comfort like that. Only God can comfort. And he comforted during that time. Comfort all who mourn. It is only he who can do that. Provide for those who grieve in Zion. He is the one who can provide us. Whatever is your grieving, whatever is your situation, whether it's financial or other ways that you're grieving, he is the one who can provide us during that time. And the word of God says to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Are you at a place where your situation looks so grim? It, it is at a place of ashes. You feel like you're not going anywhere further. Ashes normally in our culture, ashes is put for dead bodies. You know, it's like a nothing situation. There's nothing it can be done. Even in those situations, the Lord is telling, I can bestow a crown of beauty. It is the Lord, only the Lord who can reverse 
the most impossible situations or situations which are dead and gone. You know, he was the only one who was able to say uh, to Elijah, rise up the dry, dry bones. So, I mean, no situation is difficult for our God. You might think, oh my God, what will I do? How will I go forward? No situation is difficult for the Lord. We can have broken families, broken marriages, broken relationships, but God is able to bring back a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning. Are you in a time of mourning, a difficult time? He can bring back oil of joy, a garment of praise instead of, instead of a spirit of despair. I was talking to uh, one family yesterday, they are in a very difficult situation and she just lost her husband recently and she was in a, she wants to get a daughter married and she was really in a situation of despair, you know, and I know it is only God. Yes, we can help financially, we can help in other ways, but it is God who can bring the garment of praise, bring praise in that situation. It is only God who can do that. So I just want to tell you, our God has come for this very purpose. If we are not at a place of receiving, we won't get it. We won't receive it. But this is why he came. He came to restore us. Yes, he came to redeem. He came to receive us as his children. But he also came to restore us completely. No matter what we are going through, we can know that we can be restored. What better example than what I'm going to give today? You know, in a genealogy, all of you have read, at least you've read Matthew 1 genealogy. Most of you would have at least glanced through the genealogy. I know it's a very boring part to read normally. But when you read through genealogy, normally look at the Old Testament genealogies. It's a very patriarchal society. So it's only the men name, men's name which are mentioned. It's all the son of, the son of, the son of, or in KJV, he begat, begat, and all that will come. Begat, begat, whatever. It'll all come. So it is all about the son's and the men in the list. But only in Matthew 1, we see a difference. You know, and it is not mentioned, if you look at Matthew 1, if at all they really wanted to include women, they should have done this. It should have started with, sorry, I'm not able to, uh, yeah. It should have started with Abraham, the father of Isaac, and the, uh, the mother's name is Sarah. And they should have mentioned Rebecca's name, so many wonderful women characters are there in the Bible. We have so many, we have Deborahs, we have Esthers and all that. But if you notice, none of those women were mentioned in, in the genealogy. Matthew 1, very surprisingly, unlikely people are mentioned. And we all know that here and there, we have seen in the forwards. It was uh, Tamar who is mentioned. And then Rehab, Rehab, Ruth. Uriah's wife and Mary. These were the names that is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Do you, it made me wonder, why Lord, if at all you really had to mention, you would have mentioned Sarah, Rebecca and all that. Why is this? What was Jesus trying to say? Or why was Matthew inspired to specifically put these women, women's name in this list? It was clearly to show, yes, of course, there are men who have fallen also in this list, but specifically to put the women's name here was to say something more. It was to say that a God is really a God of restoration. You know, in this lineage, there are broken people, 
they are there are rejected people there are widowed people there are poor people you know uh, all kinds of people unlikely people are in the lineage of jesus christ if at all i have to write my uh, lineage i wouldn't want to mention these kind of people normally you know i don't think anyone wants to mention but here very specifically these names are mentioned and god wants to say something through them let's just quickly go with each names and what happened to them and how they were restored the first one is tamar i think all of us are familiar at least we'd have heard this name she was the daughter in law of juda and uh, we know the story if you know the story in fact uh, juda had sons so she married the first son of juda and then because he was wicked in the sight of the lord he was taken away the first son died and then according to the cultural role that time the second person should marry the uh, wife of the uh, first son's wife so the second son got married to her and then after some time even the second son died and then the, he had a third son called sela but he was scared to give father juda wanted was scared that this woman if uh, the, my son gets married to this woman even uh, he might die so i didn't i don't want to give him to marriage give him in marriage is what he thought so he didn't give him in marriage to the third one he said let him grow up then i will give but she saw that he was not given and during that time a lady who was a widow who was put like this was not respected in the society she was like a rejected person and here was a father in law who was lying to her and then she took a step in a general sense this is not the step to be taken but she ended up appearing as a prostitute and went and slept with her own father in law and had a lineage through the father in law had a child through the father in law can you imagine such kind of a name is there in the genealogy of jesus christ but you know what Judah see when he comes to know what she has done he says you're more righteous than what i am because she could have gone with any other man she could have done anything else but the only purpose was she wanted to carry the lineage of judah and that's why she did what she did yes we cannot accept what she did but god restores and thamar was a case she was a rejected person she was lied to she lied also uh she was not an accepted person and because what she did people are always going to look down on her you know somebody who is brought forth a child through the father and they're going to look down upon her but this kind of a person the lord decides to restore the lord decides to bring forth and through that lineage jesus comes into the picture you know this says that a god is a god of restoration god is a god of healing no matter what your past is no matter what happens when you come to the lord he is able to restore you completely okay the next character we can see is ruth ruth we all know the story of ruth i don't have to say anything much here she was a widow she was first of all a moabite woman she was a widow uh, this was her situation and you know she had every chance to go back to her place and get married to any person but she realizes that the, the god of the jews is the real god and then she decides to go back with nomi and be with her and then god really blessed her we saw how he blessed her a widow a person who is very poor they came back with nothing they had nothing with them and they came back but we saw how god honored her and blessed this woman called ruth that she was a great grandmother of david the king david himself that was the honor that was given to her you know why 
because of the way she came back and sought the face of the Lord. You know, then we have, we see another lady, Rahab. All of us have heard she's a harlot. She's a prostitute. Who would want a prostitute in the line? But here was a prostitute. You know, probably we don't know why she became a prostitute. A situation led her to do that. We have no idea. But she was a prostitute. But the moment the situation arised when she had to save the Israelites, she sensed and she knew that the God of the Israelites was a true God. And she decided to save the Israelites there and even go with them. She went with the Israelites and she saved the whole family. A prostitute, a lady who has not lived her life well, lived her own way. The moment she was willing, she was obedient. Her life changed completely. Her life changed completely. Here was Rahab, who was a prostitute, but she is there in the uh, genealogy of Jesus Christ. And then we see Bathsheba, one of the characters whom we normally wouldn't prefer. Uh, you know, this, sorry, I think, uh, oh, the same. Okay, it was a weak Bathsheba to women who received unlimited grace. Yes, this woman, Bathsheba, I know what comes to your mind when you think of Bathsheba. Normally, what comes to our mind when we think of Bathsheba? <laughs> yeah? Life with David. Yes. Probably things that have would have come to our mind would have been when I asked the young people when I was teaching about this, they said um, a seductive woman uh, thought was, oh, she seduced David somehow. Or a woman because of whom their lust happened, murder happened, adultery happened. Everything is pointed towards Bathsheba. Because of Bathsheba's image there, all this happened. If she wouldn't have been there taking bath, probably all this wouldn't have happened. But you know, when you look really at Bathsheba's story, I think uh, Pastor Sunny has preached it a long time back. But Bathsheba's story, when you hear, actually she didn't do anything wrong. She actually had no intention of doing wrong. She had come to cleanse herself, purify herself. And that's the way the women of those days did. So she did exactly what other women did. And, but here, David, King David was deceived. He looked at her with the lustful eyes and he took her inside. And you know, she comes from a good family, actually. Her husband was in the war. He was fighting for the uh, war. Her father was also an army in the army. And her grandfather, Haithophel, he was a king's advisor. So actually, she comes from a very good family. And imagine a woman probably should have loved her husband very much. Suddenly, she's been pulled into this situation. Those days, they couldn't refuse the king. She was pulled into this situation. Suddenly, now, she has a, she's been widowed from her husband. And even if you see in the Bible, it never mentions as David's wife. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. She's still mentioned as Uriah's wife because it was not God's acceptance over what happened. But God did restore, but God didn't accept what happened. You know, and we see how this lady, she lost her husband. She lost her first child. She was a victim of, in fact, one way to look at it, she was a victim of what happened. Her husband has been killed. She's widowed. She lost her first child. All this has happened. And you know why? That's the reason God was gracious on this lady. And you know, God's graciousness was there with her that she was blessed, that her son Solomon became the king after David. There were 10 other sons before. You know, 10 other queens waiting for their sons to become the next king. But God chose 
Solomon there instead of anyone else. It was a grace shown on Bathsheba. You know, the, the word of God says that the, the Lord loved Solomon. It means that he loved the mother. He was gracious to the mother. And that's why a, a child out of his womb, out of her womb was blessed and made king like this. So we see how the Lord graciously restored the life of Bathsheba. And then we see Mary. Mary, you might think, oh, Mary might fit the category very well. She's all fine. She is not messed up in any way. But if you look at Mary's life, Mary was a poor lady. She comes from a very poor family. She's not educated. Thirdly, she was just 13 to 14 years old. She was a very young girl. And then th fourthly, she was a play from a place called Naz uh, Nazareth. You know, and even uh, there was a saying, can anything good come from Nazareth? So she come, came, she didn't have a good background to look at. You can't look at a background and say, wow, let me get, uh, get that boy or girl for my son or daughter. We can't say that easily. That's not the kind of person she was. But the Lord chose her to be the mother of uh, Jesus himself. You know, this is the kind of a person. We wonder how come uh, God chose Mary for Jesus. But you know what God is looking at is much beyond our understanding. Yes, there are Sarahs and there are Deborahs, but there are women like this. There are men like this whose lives have been restored, whose lives have been. God graciously has. Christmas is a time of hope. You know, for those who are without any hope, those who are broken, those who are held captive, those who are prisoners, Christmas is really a time of hope. And these five stories very clearly shows us that Christmas is hope. You know, God gave all these five women hope, a new life, a restoration, and we are able to see that. And we can be assured as we are sitting here today, no matter what our situation is, no matter what our past is, no matter how we have messed up our life, no matter we think, okay, everything is a failure in my life. I mean, no matter what our thoughts and questions and doubts are, we can be assured that he can restore. He restored all these five women's lives and he can surely restore our life. Okay, going down, but there was one condition here. You know, we have to do one thing for this. Let's just see that. The word of God says in Isaiah 1, 19 and 20, though your sins are like scarlet, you know how beautifully the Lord starts this verse. I really like the way he started off. It goes like this. Come, let us Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. You know, our gracious God, he's such a gracious God. He says, come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. This is only God who can do. Literally wipe, wipe you clean from that scarlet. This is the color of scarlet. I don't know how clear it is here. But that dark maroonish color, red color. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He can just turn your life around. No matter what your past has been, he can just wipe it clean. That only our God can do. But there is one condition. If you see the next verse. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. One thing God expects from us. Are you willing? Are you obedient? If you look at these five women, that's where they were. You know, they were not perfect women. They were messed up women but they were willing women. 
they were obedient even rahab she was willing because she was able to hear what god was trying to say and she was help she was able to help those people all the five women were willing and obedient and allowed god to work in their life and god restored them beautifully and then we see what we shouldn't do if you resist and rebel you will be devoured by the sword the only thing we as his children we shouldn't do is resist god rebel god and only we can do that we can rebel against him we can resist him saying i don't want i want to live my life the way i want to live i i want to go ahead with the way my plans my dreams my vision my we can go on with our things but if you really want god to do a great work in your life don't resist and rebel we're going to have a play of words here a lot of r's that are going to come up so please remember the r's so one thing you shouldn't do the first one first r's do you remember why did he come redeem receive restore wonderful and then what we shouldn't do we shouldn't rebel and we shouldn't resist god's work in our life only this can stop him from doing a major work in our life so this is something we shouldn't do now let's see what god will do in our life when we do that when we have received god's blessing upon our life when our life has been changed by the lord he has restored us so beautifully what is the next step that will happen you know the word of god says in isaiah 61 after that when you read down the verse it says they will be called it's in verse 3 end they'll be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the lord for the display of his splendor they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated they will renew the ruined cities you know god when he does something for us it is not for a selfishness it is not just for us it is all about me i am restored i am i have been saved i have been healed it's not just for us there is a command there when he does this for us he wants us to go ahead and do it for others and that's why the word of god says they will rebuild they will restore they will renew this is what god's command is for us this day even this christmas mission the mission of christmas is this as much as we have been restored as much as we have been touched as much i think many of us sitting here can experience and say the really i've seen the hand of the lord in my life the restoration of the lord in my life the healing of the lord in my life all this we have experienced but it is just not only for us you know he has equipped us they will rebuild we are called to rebuild lives we are called to rebuild people we are called to restore others you know god has appointed us the messages of message of sorry message of christmas is all about this that we go ahead and we build people's life we restore others who have, who are in the pit to lift them up oh my god you know that is the good news of the gospel of jesus christ to pick up people from where they are and renew their lives of course the hand of the lord will be there and help us to do this but we are called to do this let's not stop at saying i've been restored i've been healed i've everything is fine with me but let's go the next step of rebuilding renewing and restoring others lives that's what he wants us to do you know the best example again here for me i can think of is betsheba you know one example i will give only the example of betsheba you know betsheba could have thought my life is ruined what david did to me my life is gone everything is gone the same thing happened with david's daughter right 
and uh, she said my life is ruined i've become a desolate woman because she was raped by a brother she said i am a desolate woman and she didn't rise up from there even betsheba could have thought her, herself like that right but here was betsheba you know in spite of what happened in her life she rose up she stood firm you know what she did she went and stood front of david and you know what she did let's go next the next slide please she she said to him my lord you yourself swore to me your servant by the lord your god solomon your son shall be king after me and he will sit on my throne what courage of this lady you know there are 10 more queens before her i mean their sons are waiting in fact we saw we know those who have read the story we know that how they were fighting to be the next king this is the situation but here is a woman who's just stood on the promise she received a promise from the lord and then she stood on the promise a situation of what happened in the past didn't trouble her she stood strongly the next verse please the next then king david said call in betsheba for me so she came to the king's presence and stood before him here was a woman who stood, stood strong in the promise that was given to her as surely as the lord lives who has redeemed my life from all distress i will carry out this very day exactly what i swore to you by the lord the god of israel surely your son solomon will reign after me and he will sit on my throne here was a woman you know what she believed in the promise you know and she was willing to do that for her son she renewed her son's life it was she who made sure that solomon is on the throne you know she renewed his life she restored his life she rebuilt the life of solomon there and she was able to keep him over there here was a woman who stood in the gap who stood strong you know we as families we have a children not just our physical children biological children we have others whom we know you know we can rebuild lives if at all we ask god god will show you lives whom we can rebuild and you know what happened after that the next slide when betsheba went to now solomon is king when betsheba went to king solomon to speak to him for adonijah the king stood up to meet her bowed down to her and sat down on his throne he had a throne brought for the king's mother and she sat down at his right hand you know because of what she did now king solomon is bow standing in front of her bowing down and is giving a throne right next to her you know when we rebuild lives when we restore lives when we do all this god has a way of honoring there is a blessing of the lord upon our lives and you know the blessing of the lord is again clearly mentioned in verse 7 here isaiah 61 verse 7 it says instead of your shame you will receive a double portion instead of your disgrace you will rejoice in your inheritance and then it says in verse 8 in my faithfulness i will reward my people three things the next slide please three things will happen okay sorry i forgot this verse but i'll go back and come here if you can go to the next slide three things god's blessing is there upon a life one is we receive a double portion when we stand and do again three hours here so that you can remember one is we receive a double portion when we stand and do what god has called us to do the mission of christmas to rebuild renew and restore we receive a double portion that is a promise of the lord 
that he has mentioned we will receive a double portion we know in whatever way can be an anointing it can be a blessing in any way god can give us a double portion we can rejoice in our inheritance because of what we have done our generations are blessed our families are blessed you know uh, even in the bible we see how because of what david did solomon was blessed the generation is blessed always our god is a god of generation and he blesses our inheritance I know my mother stood in the gap. My father is an atheist. I come from a family, dysfunctional family, actually. But my mother stood in the gap and prayed. She shed the tears. She did everything she could. And then we children are in the Lord today. We are walking in the ways of the Lord today because of what she did. You know, what we do, what rebuilding. My mother really rebuilt all alone because she had no support of her husband, no way. But she stood alone and she did the rebuilding. she did the renewing she did the restoring in our lives and she was able to see the blessing of the lord upon our life that's why i want to say you will receive you will rejoice and then the thirdly you will be rewarded with the descendants offspring however in whatever way a god is a god who rewards us you know and we will see it with our own eyes the reward of the lord in our eyes again another example would be my own husband's mother uh, one lady again Uh, stood for five children they have five children and you know she stood strong she interceded she prayed i know because i've seen her you know she was a lady who would get up at 4:30 in the morning and pray uh, no matter what <laughs> i still cannot do that i'm still struggling to do i really desire to do that but it's a struggle but she would get up every morning at 4:30 intercede for her children she was uh, she was a diabetic from childhood she suffered all her life she was in sickness but what she did she was able to see the reward of it she was able to see so what you do what you invest what you rebuild you will be able to see the result of it but, i mean in your lifetime or afterwards but you will be able to see it because god is a rewarder so he will surely give us this blessing going to the previous verse this was a promise verse the word of god says in days to come jacob will take root israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit this is surely the command of the lord for us you know yes god has enabled us to take root we have from beginning we have come to know probably we were a milk drinking christian uh, not knowing the lord much but we started from there and then we came to a place of budding and blossoming slowly we bud and blossom but it doesn't stop there you know when we go we fill all the world with fruit our life will be a blessing what we talk to people will become a blessing when you pray for people there'll be a blessing when you help people there'll be a blessing people will know that there is the lord of god lord god is there with you that there is a special hand of god upon you when you go and speak you will realize that you will sense it you don't have to do anything extraordinary just your life your talk your what you do your deeds will just show who you are that's what god can do in and through your life and you will fill the world with fruit let me give my own example here you know i i was a bible college graduate and i came into the ministry got married quite early 21 i studied after that i did my bible college after that but you know i always felt as if there was no fruit in my life i was doing i was working hard i was trying all my best but i felt there was that fruit was lacking i was not able to see that you know then then the lord really ministered and worked in me and really when i was restored 
when there was a restoration that happened in areas that I was not restored in. Probably it was my fear. It was rejection that I was struggling with. These things, when the Lord restored me during times of prayer, I was able to bear fruit. So when you are restored, you will immediately bear fruit. You will be able to see the fruit of your lives. So I want to encourage you, if you are not restored, allow God to work in your lives. Allow God to restore you. The areas that you feel or the strongholds that are holding you back, not allowing you to go forward, ask God to deal with that. Ask God to work in that and pray for restoration in your life. When you are restored, you will restore others. Automatically, you will go ahead and restore and help other people. And you will be able to fill the world with fruit. And why is the Lord doing the last slide of the day? Why is he doing this? Yeah, the next one, please. For the display of a splendor, the word of God says in 61 verse 3, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of a splendor. Why he does that? To display his splendor, to glorify his name. He's doing that. And secondly, the people the Lord has blessed, it is because he has blessed us. His heart goes out to bless us. He wants to do this for us. He wants to restore us and he wants us to use us as vessels of restoration because of his blessing upon our life. And thirdly, verse 11, it says, sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring before all nations. You know, our sovereign Lord will make sure that righteousness and praise will spring. When what God has done, what comes in our mouth will be praise. What comes through us will be righteousness because of what he has done for us and because of his glory and his splendor to be revealed in us. And it's so great that he uses us partners for this. He uses us as instruments for this. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to use us as instruments to reveal his glory. He uses us as instruments for his mission Christmas to go rebuild, renew and restore lives. So I just want to encourage you uh, the restoration that the Lord has brought, the reason why he has been sent and the restoration he brings in our lives. Let's experience that. If you have not experienced that, I would encourage you today to experience that re restoration in your life. Ask God to restore you. Ask God to renew you. And then you will see how, what a blessing you can be to others, uh, for people all around you to be a blessing and you will be able to bear much fruit in and through your life. And that's why he came. That's why he died so that we will live the way he has called us to live. Thank you. I'll just hand over to Pastor Prem.